This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS canine radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have uh, Ed Van Buren from Code 2 Canine from uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. I've talked to Ed a bunch of times over the years, kind of picked his brain about different things. Ed's got a lot of knowledge in a lot of different subjects, but today we're going to talk a little bit about highway interdiction and if you work a dog, if you have a dual purpose dog, uh, just some things maybe that if you're not assigned to an interdiction team, some stuff that you can use that important part of your dog with. So uh, Ed, how are you doing today? Good. You, Jeff? I'm doing good. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, you know, how long you were a cop for, I know you're retired now, and then uh, how you kind of ended up starting Code 2 Canine? Yes, I was um, in uh, law enforcement as a, a police officer for three years, and then as a deputy sheriff for 26 and a half years uh, here in the Omaha, Nebraska area. Uh, of those 30 years as a, as a uh, police officer, I spent 18 years as a canine handler. I handled seven different canines throughout my canine career. Uh, trained, uh, uh, first one was narcotics dog and all the rest of them were, uh, patrol narcotics dogs and, uh, and SWAT. Uh, I was a, uh, I became the first canine interdiction unit supervisor and I, uh, held that position for 11 years until my retirement. And, uh, we had a, uh, a full-time, uh, canine interdiction unit that, uh, all we did was answer canine calls and, uh, criminal interdiction on I-80 in the Omaha area. How many dogs did you have in that team? We had six total. And they were all dual purpose? Yes, all dual purpose, yes. Sounds like a pretty fun assignment to me. It was, uh, I thought working five and a half years undercover was the best gig I ever had, but uh, it wasn't. Uh, canine, uh, working uh, nothing but canine calls and, and interdict was. Uh, when we originally started the canine, uh, we were part of patrol, just like a, another patrol unit. So uh, uh, we, we took a lot of calls, even calls and that, until we created our own uh, uh, canine unit. And then uh, tell me about your business with Code 2. Uh, I started Code 2, I believe it was 08. Uh, and, um, you know, the number of dogs that I had selected over the years for not only my agency, but other agencies, we, we did a lot of training we train a lot of other agency canines and handlers, and uh, it became a passion to me. And uh, the the part that really uh, th- that really made it uh, more interesting was the uh, canine psychology aspect of it. Being able to go test a dog and be able to read the dog, know the canine psychology part of it, and uh, and 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 pick dogs that you know are going to not only have the drives and and traits, but uh, uh, that they also have the, the, the you know, the disposition you're going to do around people and so on and so forth. And you guys do mostly, uh, the Utah post program out there, don't you? Yes. Yeah. PSP. Yes. Yeah. So you've, you've probably been in the same boat as me where you've frustrated some uh, vendors using the psychology test and doing a PSP test, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, the, the one that really stuck out the, the, the most with me was when they do the, uh, the apprehensions during gunfire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never did figure that one out, but yeah, I've had good luck uh, doing doing those tests, you know, for a lot of different dogs too over the years. Um, so let's talk some about uh, interdiction. So you worked 
you were a, a dope guy before you were a dog handler, so you already had you already knew a lot about uh, being a uh, investigator in that area, right? Yeah, you know, Jeff, for the five and a half years I was in uh, narcotics, I strictly did undercover work. So I was buying drugs and guns from gang members, white supremacists, bikers, strippers, you name it. And what I didn't realize at the time was, that, you know, when you're working undercover, you you have to throw all of your, uh, not all of your police training out the, out, the, out the window, but you have to learn to be comfortable around bad guys with guns. And what I didn't realize was I was actually learning to read and understand these people. Uh, you know, it was on-the-job training, and it was just part of survival. Uh, uh, that, that training or that experience became so valuable later on when I started uh, working uh, uh, criminal interdiction. Uh, just being able to read these people and know, you know, when they're uh, telling the truth or when they're trying to, to you know, uh, pump, you know, what up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> then you, when you uh, got your first dog, it was a, a strictly an arc dog? Yeah, Chesapeake Bay Retriever, probably one of the hardest, toughest dogs I ever had. Yeah, they can be a little stubborn. Yes, yes. And with, the, with him, uh, you obviously had good success to where that rolled into uh, being able to pitch a, a full-time unit. Yes. What we did was we actually, uh, we started training with uh, the state patrol and that's where our level of uh, training went up because uh, that's where I, I got uh, kind of an understanding of, of PSP. And um, by training with them, they also started calling us out to the interstate when they didn't have a dog available and uh, to run vehicles if they had a vehicle stopped and, and dog. And uh, it really upped our, our level. I mean, we learned not to be afraid of failure in training. We learned to uh, use training to improve our dogs and ourselves and, and uh, fix problems also. And uh, it changed everything. So it opened up a whole new, new door for us. That sounds, that sounds great. So moving on to the interdiction side, tell me, I know you do a lot of classes and stuff. What all, what all different classes do you guys teach in the interdiction part of things? Uh, we what we did is we we took our training uh, law enforcement training that's under code two training that's our website now, um, and we have uh, not only do we have the the your your uh, criminal interdiction class but one of our more popular classes is our rural interdiction class it's uh, taught by Mike Verlick from uh, South Dakota and Ken Green over in Iowa, and it, it's. Uh, you know, when I was an instructor for a, for a large training company for many years, a lot of the comments I heard about interdiction was, "Well, we, we're not going to get loads like that where 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 we work or where I work." And and I and I tell them, I go, "Hey, I started off getting grams and and you know stuff like that, working the inner city and you know working up in the the bad neighborhoods of, of Omaha, and uh, it's not about how." big the load is or the or the bust is it, it's it's you know to me some of the best busts i ever had were uh were small amounts so uh but anyway that's a very popular class another one is we have a retired u.s attorney who teaches uh courtroom testimony uh he taught uh or he worked all around the uh world he even uh he was part of the advisory team of the uh, saddam hussein uh trials and uh he teaches our court, courtroom testimony and uh, it's people love him. I think the reason a lot of officers love his class, is, and Jeff, I, I'd, I'd like your input on this. 
uh, I think a lot of officers don't have a personal, like, you know, a relationship with a prosecutor that they can walk in their office and talk to them like a, just a regular person. Sure. sure. And that's, you know, we have Ted Dowse as part of our HITS uh, um, staff, a, one of our HITS owners. And Ted has a really good uh, relationship with all the cops that he works with in Florida. And that's, that's uh, so valuable, you know, to be able to uh, have that relationship because, you know, we talk a lot about different, uh, you know, we, in uh, Colorado, uh, we were the first one to legalize marijuana. So we did a lot of stuff about should you uh, keep your dog on marijuana? Should you take him off marijuana? And the answer ended up being, I had different uh, opinions when it first started, but then the answer ended up being always was talk to your prosecutor because it doesn't matter what the hell we say we're going to do. If your prosecutor says, you know, I won't take any case with a dog on marijuana, then that's that's going to be your policy until you get a different prosecutor or something. So I think that's a really valuable point, you know, to, to get to know them talk to them if you're fortunate enough you know like in our agency uh there's lots of prosecutors but just a couple of them would specialize in in you know in stuff that would be canine related so you can kind of get with them and you can educate each other you know tell them about the dogs and then they can uh, tell you about what their policies in the office are so I, I think that you know it's a really good point i'm glad you brought that up you know and that's that's something i was going to mention later too it's like when you start doing these different things whether it be uh, interdiction on on your on your your highways or interstates or, or wherever or you start doing hotel motel any of that stuff you better speak with your prosecutor first to make sure uh that he or she uh you know are, are good with what you're doing because ultimately they're going to be the ones that are going to have your case so exactly so let's dive into that um i know when i talk to you one of my interests is, is that um one of my dogs was a dual purpose dog uh drugs and patrol the other ones were just straight patrol or now I have single purpose detection dogs. But when I have my dual purpose dog, I have no background in narcotics and we have narcotics dogs in a separate unit than I was assigned. So while I trained with them a little bit, I didn't necessarily work with them every day. Um, we supported each other on the dog side of it. Um, but I was kind of a, a, an island a little bit, even though we have a large agency about what should I use this powerful tool I have in the back of my car um, with so I, I really didn't have you know I ended up talking to you know one of the other uh, our other hits partner Andy Wyman uh, when I first started my my magazine I got to know him real well and he started giving me some good ideas about checking hotels and stuff so that's kind of what I want to talk about today is for the guys who are listening to this they have a dual purpose dog um, most of the time uh, it, unless you're a, a really well set up interdiction team like what yours was where where you're doing a whole lot, what a lot of times it seems like the the dope side is is ten or fifteen percent of the dog, and the patrol side is eighty five percent of the dog. And when you really look at their environment, you know you could probably change those numbers a little bit and get the dog busier when you're not doing patrol stuff. So if if you're in that situation, you don't have a strong background in dope, or or you're kind of on your own out there, what are some things that these guys could do when they're driving around? Uh, even if they're assigned as a patrol officer and not a dedicated canine unit, there's still some stuff they can do to start uh, using that that resource they have. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, first thing is uh, network. You know, get with other departments in your area uh, that can call on you. I mean, I've got, I've got a dog that works over in the Des Moines area, and the uh, postal inspector uh, will call them. Uh, you'll get uh, some task force people that after you get to know them – you train or they your dog uh they can call on you but what we used to do we would go to the hotels 
and uh, we would we would ask the uh, clerk, hey, can we uh, can we run our dogs out in the, on the vehicles out in the lot? And we did a lot of that. Uh, truck stops. I cannot tell you. Well, Jeff, I'm sure you do know, but uh, uh, the the uh, your your average out there that done the, the truck stops huge. Sure. sure. Um, there was a, a trooper out of the Lincoln, Nebraska area that that called me on occasion, and uh, uh, one of the, one of the one of the coolest uh, seizures we ever had in a truck stop was over a you know half a million cash in a floor compartment of a reefer unit, and it was all consensual encounter. And uh, I mean, you, you just you can't imagine uh, just what what you know. People say, hey, you know, we don't we don't have that stuff going to our area. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, sure, you do. Absolutely, you do. Uh, and and people have to stop and get gas, and a lot of times stop and eat. So yeah, they're yeah. out there. And, and a lot of stuff doesn't hit the main highways. It, it will go through some of the small towns just because they know the main highways are getting hit pretty hard. Exactly. We you don't know how many times we we got a smuggler on I eighty, and his uh, his roadmap had red highlighted on 80 in the Omaha area. And even in some cases it said, boy, area. Yeah. Well, they did, they got, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they went anyway, but, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So that's, that w- that's going to tie into networking for sure. So I think, say you work in a small area, you know, near a, a larger city, you know, find out, are those guys hitting that highway hard? And if they are, look at your map and, and, you know, if, if the word's out not to drive through Omaha, which way are they going to go? And if it's going to come through your city, then you can start watching out for those cars as they come through. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what what yeah. are they going to watch for on these cars? What, you know, can you give me run down of a few things that are going to be, if you were, if you were with your experience, if you were working, you know, a, a 2000, uh, uh, 2000 resident city with four or five cops, you could still do something there. Exactly. Well, you know, I've always made criminal interdiction simple. Um, there's, there's basically four things I would look at. Uh, you know, the, the person's uh, coming from going to the reason for travel, the person in the, in the vehicle. And um, if you've got, for instance, a, uh, if you're working in the Omaha area and you're on a, a state highway that's off I-80, and this person, the vehicle's registered, let's say Denver, and uh, you find out this person's driving to Chicago. Why are they not on I-80? It makes no sense. Unless, unless, this is where the interview's huge, unless they have, you know, maybe they have a relative, they, they got off the, the, the main highway to go, to go see. You know, that's where the interview's so important. But when you first see the vehicle, you know, what, uh, know what vehicles are rentals. Try to be able to spot a rental, you know, the barcodes, that sort of thing. Uh, the big, you know, one of the, one of the big ones we used to run into is uh, uh, why is this uh, person driving a, why is this lone person driving a van that's that's not from this area, you know? It, could there be a logical reason? Sure, there could be. But again, that's where your interview is going to come into. So basically, you're, you're, you're uh, going to, obviously the word profile is poor. Uh, people don't like that word, but what you're profiling is, you know, the vehicle, the location of the vehicle, the, you know, it, things that are out of place for that area is what you're looking for. Not necessarily the driver, but, but you're looking at the, the whole totality of, of what you're looking at, whether you're on I-80 or you're on a rural road. Yeah, 
or you get a rental car and you, the, there's luggage in the back seat. Um, and, and I'm telling you what, if there's luggage in the back seat and you see handprints on the trunk, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Little things like that that you learn over the years, you know. So, and I want to pick your brain on those because, you know, a lot of those I don't personally even know. So, um, say I've, I've got a car that, you know, for whatever reason, it looks like a rental car, but, it, you know, I've, 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 I've determined that this is a suspicious uh, vehicle that I want to talk to. I've developed my probable cause. I've got them pulled over. Uh, what's my first thing once I pull them over? I'm, I'm looking at this as more of an interdiction stop than I am just to write them a ticket and let them go. So how am I going to handle it going forward from there? Well, first and foremost, you know, I would, I would, my advice to officers is handle every stop the same way. You know, if you, if you have them get in your car, do that on every stop. Don't just do it on stops. You think you might have a, uh, a smuggler or a bad guy, whatever, you know, uh, be consistent in how you uh, do your stops. So uh, to me, uh, everything is asked. I never say, come back to my car. I ask them, will you come back and have a seat in my car? And 99% of them have no problem with that. The ones that do, they can stay in their car. Um, and, you know, and just a, a quick little insert on that. In court, your defense attorneys will throw that at you. How can you have my client, client get in your car? Well, I asked him to. I didn't order him to. I asked him to, if he would. So you're telling me if you didn't want to, uh, you wouldn't make them. No, I wouldn't. So things like that, that, that when you, when you do this and you become consistent with it, you don't even think about it, say it. And so, uh, to me, the big thing is, do they own the vehicle? Is it their vehicle? If it's a rental, how long have they rented it? Where they rent it at is where they're going and why, you know, uh-huh. uh, and most of these people at this point are already going to have a, a story for this very situation. So is there like a consistent BS story that you hear a lot of the times? Well, here's one of the, one of the, a very valuable tool that I used was uh, people will like to use, well, my mom was sick or my grandmother was sick or, or whatever. And you don't know how many times I would ask them, Hey, do you mind if I call your mother to verify your story? And I don't care. Give me permission to or not. I'm more interested in their reaction to that. You know, if it's you or me and it's, it's, if it's a real, you know, true story, you know, I may say, yeah, you can, but, uh, do you think you really, you, you don't believe me? I, I wouldn't sit there and go, no, I don't want you to call her. Well, why not? Well, you and I both know why not, but things like that, um, you know, that, uh, the, sto- the, whatever travel itinerary they tell you, you know, you can usually, uh, weed through it based on your training and experience, you know, one of the best smugglers, smugglers I ever caught was a, was a guy who said he was going to Constable Iowa to, to visit a Vietnam veteran buddy. And he didn't have his phone number. I couldn't call him to verify it or anything. Um, you know, it was a tough one, but what changed everything for me was when, uh, uh, you know, I noticed the handprints on the trunk lid, the luggage in the back seat, uh, rental vehicle, uh, he was from Tucson. He was going to Council Bluffs. The rental vehicle was out of Colorado. The truck broke down. I mean, there was just a lot of variables in there. And uh, uh, when I called for a car, you could just you could feel the nervousness in the air. And so you know, and that's the thing that that experience. You know, you can't beat experience. But talk to these people. I mean, innocent motor and public. They'll talk to you. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to sit there and say, no, I don't want to answer your questions or, you know, I don't know why I'm this, you know, but 
and, and, and be polite, be polite. Don't talk down to them. Don't interrogate them, ask them and be friendly. So then when you're talking to them, I know there's some physical characteristics that you're looking at. Um, what are some of those things that, that, that they're going to do that they can't control? Uh, constantly looking out the window. Um, I call it the, the Dor- Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz uh, scenario where they want to click their heels and be somewhere, <laughs> you know. Um, Anywhere but here. Yeah. And I know a lot of good interdiction officers uh, used to watch for that, the, 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 the neck. Uh, but they, I never did. I, I keep it simple because I didn't look at them that. I didn't like to really stare at them. Uh, more how they answer the questions. How looking out the window, are they looking at their car? Uh, you know, uh, I keep it pretty simple. I don't want to be the guy that gets on the stand and tries to explain why a person's breathing is not normal because yeah, I'm not a doctor. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're going to, if, if you're going to listen to the, what they tell you, their reason for travel and where, you know, going to coming from and why they're in that vehicle, if it's their vehicle, recent purchase, whatever. And, uh, you know, if they're with somebody, if that person is telling the same story that that person is, you know? Yeah. So, so at this point you're, you're interviewing either the, the driver and or the passenger, you're starting to get these clues that maybe their story isn't adding up. You're seeing that they're you know nervous. They want to be somewhere else. Then what, what are you going to do next? You know, I always would, uh, complete the stop. Um, once I, once I determined and, and had done all my business, checked them, uh, wrote down their information, uh, give them their verbal warning, their written warning, whatever you do. And I would say, Hey, before you leave, can I ask you some questions? And uh, this is where it turns into the consensual part. And, uh, you know, having a dog is invaluable because if they say, no, I just want to leave, we were, we could run our dogs. Now here again, it's going to depend on your jurisdiction. Like in Iowa, they're telling their officers that at this point, you got to let them go. Uh, and I, and I, you know, we can argue that all day long and, 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 and win half the battles and lose half the battles. But here in, in Nebraska, we have the luxury of, no, we, we can still go, okay, we're going to run our dog. Yeah. So, and that's where it's going to be important to talk to your, your local prosecutor because what case law says will be irrelevant if they've already got their idea how they're going to handle it. So, so you've, you've given them their, their, they're actually free to go. You're saying, all right, now let's ask some questions. What are some of the questions you're going to ask them at that point? Uh, you know, if I have a question about, for instance, like the, if I want to, hey, can I call your mother to verify your story? Um, that's when that can come in. Um, and and if you if you watch any of my videos, I mean, I was the nicest guy in the world, you know, to the people. And uh, I'd even joke with them sometimes, you know. Uh, and and you know, so a lot of times if smugglers wouldn't laugh at my jokes, and it's like, well, maybe they weren't funny. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you, you know. Can I verify your story? You know, hey, uh, clarify your suspicions. You know, when I get officers calling me about stops, it's just incredible the number of, of, of times I ask them, well, did you ask them why they're going here instead of there? And they go, well, no, I, we didn't get into that. Well, get into that. Don't, don't get into an hour and a half search you know, if you don't have to. You know, do all you can to, to, to verify their story. I've always said the best way to, to catch bad, bad guys is try to prove them innocent. If you can't prove them innocent, they must be guilty. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So, so you were talking to him. Then at some point, are you going to ask him for consent to use the dog? Or are you going to ask him for consent to search the car? I would ask to consent to search the car. To me, the dog was always the the tool to uh, if I was denied consent. And um, because uh, again, I had prosecutors in the early days tell me instead of asking consent, run your dog. I said, well, the problem with that is, what if they're not hauling drugs? What if they're hauling stolen weapons or stolen property? You know, uh, so and, and whenever I, I'd ask consent, I always told him, you have the right to tell me, no, you don't have to give me permission to search your vehicle. And uh, you don't know how many defense attorneys, the friendly ones that would tell me after court, you know, you're making my job hard, Ed. Great. job. You know, I don't want to be that guy that has to explain why he said I'd like to take take a look in your car real quick and then search it for an hour and a half, you know. So, but, uh, you know, ask for consent, let them know they have the right to tell you no, uh, people, you know, officers without dogs. Hey, I'm sorry, but I would rather let them drive away than create bad case law. So let them know, Hey, you can tell me no. Uh, most of the time I was told yes. Um, and, uh, we would search the vehicle. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, our dogs, our dogs were very experienced. We use them a lot on, on, the, on I-80. And we had a lot of faith in our dogs, but we also had a lot of faith in ourselves. So uh, they were a tool just like everything else that we, we carry in our car or on our, on our uh, person. So, and, and yeah, that's it really. So that's, I mean, it, that's all good stuff on the highway. Um, I think we also talked about, you know, some of the hotels and the uh, truck stops. Can you just real quickly, you know, kind of outline getting the permission, talking to the manager, the owner or whatever, and how, how you can start using using your dog in those situations too? Sure. Yeah. You know, you can run your, uh, run your dog on the cars in the hotel, motel, wherever you are, or truck stop, you know, don't just run your dog on that car or truck or semi you think has something. Um, run them on, run them on. If, if I see a vehicle, I, I piques my interest. I would run the dog on one or two vehicles before that vehicle, before I got to that vehicle. You follow me that, that way. If your dog does indicate on that suspect vehicle, you can say, Hey, I ran him on a, on a, on a Chevy and a Ford before. And the dog search sniff did great. Got, got to the suspect vehicle, saw that head snap indication, you know, uh, kind of just running them on that one vehicle because defense attorneys go after that. You wanted your dog on my client's vehicle, blah, blah, blah. You know how that, yeah, that exactly, that, exactly. And we usually talk to the the manager on duty or something before you start walking around their lot, or we just uh... oh yeah, yeah. Always get permission from the manager. Um, I'm telling, and like truck stops, the consensual encounters are so so valuable, so valuable. Um, but yeah, you you want to have permission to be there. Uh, so, and if you have a good relationship, you're going to get clerks that are going to say, hey, you know, by the way, we had a, we had someone check in earlier tonight that something ain't right. And that's, that's invaluable. That's if, if you've got a clerk on your side, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, we, that's, we that's more calls. of that networking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get phone calls. Hey, the clerk up at the, the motel six called and wants you to stop up there. Okay. You know, so there we go. Yeah. So you're out in the parking lot, your dog, uh, you've got permission, your dog hits on a car. Then what are you going to do with that? We would uh, find out where that, 
vehicle, what room that vehicle is registered to, and go make contact with the person. Now, this is where, again, oh, Lynn, let me, I should have brought this up earlier, Jeff. You also want to make sure your department's going to back you up if you're doing this. Because the last one is your boss to get a phone call saying, hey, we, we got to get a search warrant for a car. And the boss is like, what are you doing at the hotel? So make sure your department's going to back you on this, not just your prosecutor. So, you, you know, if if things start to get to the point where you're probably going to have to get a search warrant, that's where, again, your department has to let you know, is this something you're going to do? Or do you turn it over to a narcotics unit or a narcotics officer or task force, you know? But, yeah, anyway, you make contact with the people. You talk to them. Hey, uh, you know, again, make it consensual. Again, ask, you know, hey, can you can I talk to you? You know, hey, can you tell me, you know, um, hear what they got to say you know um there was one time we, we we had this very scenario and it turns out the person we were talking to got busted hauling drugs they didn't seize his car and he got a hotel for the night before he headed back to where he came from and our dogs were our dog was hitting on a residual odor okay so yeah talk to him hear what they got to say you know so will you tell them right off the bat my dog hit on your car out there is there a reason for that not necessarily. It would depend on the situation. We may just say, hey, uh, can I talk to you about, you know, your travels? Hey, where are you going to? Where are you coming from? You know, is that is that your vehicle out there? Uh, hey, do you mind if I run a check on you? You know, so on and so forth. You know, um, and, and it, at some point you can say, hey, uh, you know, can you tell me why my dog indicated on your vehicle? I, I would keep that. I would keep that as kind of an ace card, sure. you know. Uh, they say, say pound sand and shut the door, you know? Okay. Well, and here's, here's like a a valuable point that, uh, you know, I know you, you've been around a long time. So have I, one of the important things when you're doing stuff like this is to know when to cut it short. Cause I think, uh, I think we've all seen where, uh, guys, what they right or wrong, there's just certain times where, you know, this isn't going to go well, you know, just cut it a little short, get him on the next time. If he's a bad guy, if he's not a bad guy, you know, try and cut it real short, be very professional because I think at least in my experience, I've seen some people who are, they just want to make something uh, where there is nothing. And then it always ends up in a complaint or gets the, that person will then go uh, complain to the hotel who now the hotel's pissed off at you. So I think it's always important to know when to, to cut your losses. But that's an excellent point because nothing is going to cut your, uh, your, your uh, part-time interdiction career short than complaints. And in this day and age, wow, you know, so. And whether you're on the highway too, if your sergeant gets a couple calls, they're not going to want it that either. So uh, some of these people, you just got to let them go. And, and especially, I mean, I think uh, I've seen sometimes maybe a younger officer who so desperately wants to turn this into something where they have somebody who doesn't have anything that, you know, they're getting to the point where they've offended the person. Yes. Yeah. You just, there's, there's always another day. You know, uh, you know, smugglers, whether it be drugs or whatever, that's, you know, short of a uh, human life. You know, if you suspected, you know, there could be a child at risk or something like that, that that's going to be the time you may want to pull out, you know, whatever, you know, to have to maybe push it. But for the for your, your smugglers, no, there's always another day. So, yeah, excellent point. And, you know, I'll tell you. Um, what you want to do too is you want to make sure you have your training records to show that you have trained for this, uh, that you that your dog is not just 
you don't just run them on cars that you suspect something is in them. Uh, I was doing a vice presidential detail one time and I was stuck on the top floor of the uh, parking garage in Omaha. And there was, I don't know, 80 to 100 cars on this level. And I was like, what am I going to do for an hour? Well, I looked back at my Malinois that, that uh, has more energy than I've ever seen. And I went, you know what? And I got them out and uh, we did off lead uh, sniffs of, uh, I got them by every vehicle. I got them by every vehicle and it took a while, but uh, then I was able to document that my dog sniffed 80 to hundred vehicles, no alerts, no indications, you know, little things like that. And, uh, you know, work them, uh, train them in the environment you're going to be working in too. Uh, so, and you know, you, uh, how many times I'd be on a stop on the interstate and a legitimate stop. And I'd say, Hey, do you mind if I run my dog in your car and just for training and, uh, um, and you know, document the dog didn't didn't alert or indicate. We we were starting to run into a problem where we didn't run our dogs unless we were denied consent. So the vast majority of the vehicles we ran our dogs on the interstate, there was probably going to be some. And so if they, you know, we we had a lot of indications where we found if we didn't find dope or, or, or currency connected with with drugs, we found empty duffel bags, uh, empty compartments, stuff. So, uh, and, and we'd even, we'd even ask him, you know, on, on the legitimate, you know, everyday people that we not, you know, uh, innocent people, we'd say, Hey, can we put a training aid on your car? You know, just so our dog can get a reward. Cause we didn't, we did not reward on, on vehicle sniffs. So. And those people were probably jazzed watch the dog work. They oh, they a, loved it. They get a free demo and they get a story to tell and. Oh Yeah. Yeah, most of them were more than happy. You know, and on a side note on this, Jeff, uh, you know, car haulers. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. And I was amazed. I took a different approach with car haulers. And I want guys to think about this with not just car haulers, but other things. I would stop a car hauler and I'm looking at the the, the bill ladens on the vehicles. And I'm like, well, shoot, I don't know. They picked, a, picked this car up at this address, and I'd ask them, wh- wh- where was this address at? Was it a, you know, well, I started learning that, you know what? Most of these car haulers, they're innocent. Most of them don't know. So I would ask him, I would go, hey, any of these suspicious? Any of these cars you picked up suspicious? And you wouldn't believe, I had a few times the the, the, the car hauler guy, the truck driver would say, yeah, actually the one, uh, the second one on the top row, that was kind of weird. And I would go, do you think there might be something in the car? And they would say, you know, I don't know. There could be. Why do you want to search? And I'd say, can I? And I would actually ask them if they wanted to help me. Hey, would you help me? I mean, could you get more consensual than that? And we would search a vehicle together, you know. Uh, but but no, talk to these these guys, you yeah. know. A friend of mine uh, does a lot of interdiction out of Northern California, and, and he's gotten – uh, you know, the car haulers for him have been money. So he actually went back and he, he made uh, contacts with all the companies that do the car hauling. And he's got them set up to where he can uh, give them a little bit of money for the really good tips and stuff. But he's had some, you know, they basically, uh, you know, it, almost everybody who is sending a car across the country that's loaded, they always want the top rack. They always want, you know, a certain spot. He said he's had, uh, he had uh, some guys who showed up that they had just rented a car. And they wanted to put it on a car hauler and send it across the country. So he said some of those times it's just fishing, uh, you know, hitting fish in a barrel with the car haulers. So it's a really good one not to overlook. 
That's excellent, man. That's a nice setup there. Yeah. So it just goes back to the networking. You know, when you network with with all the right people, you know, it get, keeps getting the center addiction a little bit uh, more efficient every time. Exactly. And you, and, and the relationships, I mean, I've had car hauler guys, like you said, they'll call you up. Hey, I, you know, I think I got something on here, you know? So yeah, you know, the main thing is be nice to everybody you, you, you encounter, you know, be nice. Uh, I, I, I use a, a phrase out of the old movie roadhouse where Patrick Swayze says, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Well, we usually try to keep these about uh, 30 minutes, so we're kind of out of time on this, but I'd like to get you back on and maybe start talking about maybe some some uh, traps or compartments too, because I'm sure you came across a lot of those and maybe how what uh, your success rate was and locating those and how to get them open and stuff. So maybe we could do that in an upcoming show if that's all right with you. Yes, I'd love to. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on. And for uh, people who like this type of stuff, you know, obviously we do a lot of these types of classes at uh, HITS. Unfortunately, HITS had to be changed this year, uh, so there's no HITS 2020, but HITS 2021 will still be, everything's the same, we just rolled over the date, so we'll be in Scottsdale, Arizona in July of 2021, so go to hitsk9.net to check that out, and uh, lots of networking, so if you like these types of conversations, you know, it's easy to find uh, a lot of people who are doing a lot of interdiction and pick their brains, because everybody who does this kind of stuff has, you know, a couple of little secrets, and the more, more tools you have in your toolbox, the better it is, so... Ed, I appreciate all your time today, and thanks for all the valuable information. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, and everybody be safe. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.